Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You've got us here on Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Mega Mac guys. That would be John McMullen and Jody McDonald. And I know my partner is quasi-glad to be here with me. But he's also a little bummed to not be in Indianapolis where the NFL meat market, come on, let's be honest, that's exactly what it is. It's a meat market between collegiate football players who want to continue their playing career and the 32 National Football League teams. Uh, a little bummed that you're not out in India, huh, McMullen? Yeah, a little bit bummed uh, for reasons I cannot speak of on the air. But, uh, you know, I'm not the only one, evidently, because... You know, I wake up this morning. Well, I knew Sean McVay wasn't going. And people say, well, the Rams don't have any picks anyway. But, you know, that <laughs> harkens back to uh, 2020, uh, whenever, what year? Yeah, 2020, uh, the last year uh, we had the combine. He didn't go either. Um, and and now Kyle Shanahan's not going. Robert Sala's not going. Um <laughs> You know, these are head coaches in the National Football League, and they're not going to the Combine, which tells you the Combine ain't what it used to be, at least to, to some teams and some organizations. No, I, I would disagree with those teams and disagree with what you kind of hedged at with there. Oh, you don't have any top picks. They traded all their picks. They were all in this year. Oh, then that means those fourth-round picks, fifth-round picks, sixth-round picks – are even that much more important to a team like the Rams. You can't afford to miss on those. If you're giving up your ones, your twos, your threes to add veterans and multiple picks for one player, well, you still need to fill out a roster. And the Rams well, the last do. couple of yeah. years have, have been pretty damn good at late day two, uh, all day three picks. They've been able to pick guys, not star players, but uh, guys who step in and play for them and, uh, help on both offense and defense. Uh, so give credit to Sneed, their their general manager, and their entire scouting staff. If John McVay's the uh, smartest guy to enter the room in well, years, be careful, Jody, because you don't want to be banned from the NFL if you want to say anything else. But I will say, I remember Sean talking about it uh, a couple of years ago, and he just said, look, I think our time is better spent in the facility. I think we can get more accomplished in the facility. It wasn't just like he's lazy and not going. He's one of those guys. Now, right or wrong, and you bring up the Rams have been very good at the at the bottom of the draft. And, ge you know, generally that's where this would help you because a lot of the top guys – aren't going to work out because right. they don't have to work out and they can wait for their pro days and be comfortable because they have their cachet. Evan Neal, you know, potential number one overall pick. He's, he's waiting for Alabama's pro day and he can do that because it's not like people are going to overlook him, uh, and he can do it in a more comfortable environment. But if you're a fourth or a fifth or a sixth round pick, you pretty much got to show your wares and we're going to have Paul Domowicz on this morning. He did a great uh, piece for the 33rd team 
about you know has the, has the combine uh, outlived its usefulness basically and i think that's apropos considering how we start the show but um you know one of the things he mentioned and daniel jeremiah mentioned well it's it's still good to see those middle round picks and to see them on the same field to see them in the same environment to see them up against each other you know teams like the rams are 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 thinking a little bit differently i don't know who's right i i do know when they started this thing it was about the medical evaluations and to me the other stuff is like more this whole industry is sort of been created about the NFL draft and hey I like it it's great it's created jobs you know there's people all over the place who cover the draft but I think it's more important for them than the teams I I really do except for the medicals except for the medicals which is the the most important part but obviously if you're a head coach, you don't have anything to do with the medicals. I mean, that's your your medical staff and your medical evaluation and, and people of that nature and independent doctors as well. So I, I see both sides of the fence, but clearly the NFL has turned this into a television vehicle. And as they've continued to do that, it has become less and less meaningful for the teams themselves. All right. Let me ask you a question about the team that you and I cover on a daily basis, and that would be your Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Give me – I'm going to set the over-under at 20. How many times Nick Sirianni said this year, in a sentence, loves ball? He loves – 20, you know, 20 that's over be. or under? How many times did Nick Sirianni well, say, in any passing media session for any reason, either specifically asked for it or he just kind of meandered there to utter the phrase, loves yeah. ball? Well, certainly it's got, it's it's way over. Okay. I, you know, it kind of, you know, because he'll say it behind the scenes as well. So I've heard it way over right. 20 I'm o- times. I'm only talking about for... Uh, Mass consumption yeah. during the uh, media still, sessions. It's still, it's still got to be over. Still more than 20, right? Still got to be over. All right, yeah. And if that's the case, your head coach is so motivated to use the phrase loves ball, why the hell wouldn't the combine be important? It's a chance for you well, to showcase I, your skills again, to be able I, to go out there and compete against other guys at the same position. Oh, I'd want guys who want to be there at the combine, who want to compete, who want to show off. I, that If I'm the Eagles and Nick Sirianni is a guy who's going to have to coach these guys up and he loves guys who love ball, give me the guys who love ball by showing it at the combine. Well, I, I will say this, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you, so I'm playing devil's advocate here. Uh, I, I'd go to the combine. I'd, I'd, I'd recommend everybody uh, shows up at the combine. And by the way, if you belong at the top of the draft, you're gonna you're gonna be great at the combine. So, I I don't you know I'm I'm with you in theory, uh, but I am gonna play devil's advocate. And from a coaching perspective, and I go to Sean McVay again, obviously because he's the leader, as he is with most things in this league these days. He he would argue that you know they're grinding film and doing their work in in the facility, and there's less time and. Uh, the prime steakhouse and St. Elmo's steakhouse and there's less partying and they're doing more work and they're getting more accomplished. That's what he said back in 2020 
when he did this for the first time. And he felt that he believed his personnel department could get more done at home than they could do there. Now, again, you could debate it, but that's that. I I, I give him the. He certainly. I I will say this: he's certainly not slopping off. He's certainly not going to the golf course at four o'clock like Steve Spurrier uh, back in the day. Um, you know, he's one of those new age coaches that wears their work ethic like a badge of honor, which I think is, to be honest, I think it's a little bit silly. I don't think you have to work 20 hours a day. I think that leads to burnout. Um, But nonetheless, he's not a guy who's like leaving the office. Um, So again, I see both sides of the fence. I think it's more of a knock at what the league has done to the combine. Like if, if if it were the old combine, I think everybody would show up. I I don't I think a certain amount of teams and they're growing each year. And and you know, Damo talked to a lot of agents about this, talked to Joe Banner about this, talked to Jeremiah, as I said. Um so we'll get him to explain it as well. A lot of people look at this and say, you know, what's going on here? You know, is this really what it was supposed to be. And my answer to that would be, well, probably not what it was originally supposed to be. It's become more of a television vehicle. Well, my, uh, since McVeigh seems to be uh, the guy that we're basing a lot of judgment on, which I know he's good. I know he's colorful. I know Amazon tried to spirit him away and he could have made himself a hell of a lot of money and he did stay committed. So I'll give him that much as far as the coaching aspect goes. Um, yeah, he didn't create football. He didn't invent football. I'm not going to base all my decisions on what he does didn't. John McVay say? What, what WWJS and that's WWMS McVay say, no, I'm sorry. I'm not buying in. I don't care whether we won the Super Bowl or not this year. And if he thinks he can get more done at home, I'm just going to disagree with him. I'm sorry. Uh, The better way to put it out there, if I were McVay, is, yeah, we lost weeks this year because we were in the Super Bowl. Otherwise, I would have been grinding at the facility the entire month of January. Then that's a reasonable explanation. The fact that we do it better and we work harder at home, I don't believe that. I believe being there, seeing the players – being able to shake somebody's hand, being able to look at a kid who's going to play for you's eyes is more important to me than let me review another uh, round of tape. You can do tape anytime, any place, anywhere. The players are only assembling in a group this large where you can get a look at a lot of guys, shake a lot of hands, make a lot of individual player evaluations in one place. And it's Indianapolis this week. And I think that's a place that every coach in the uh, league should be this week. Well, you know, I'm going to make this comp in in that, you know, when training camps started to shift to home bases rather than people going away a lot, and I'll put myself in this category as well, a lot of people said, oh, that doesn't sound like a good idea. But to be honest, and certainly in, you know, today's environment where everything's scaled back, and, and Doug Peterson was the first to tell me this, is, it's like it's much better. It's much better staying at home. I, I mean, you don't have to drag your equipment. You have everything right there. If you have the type of facility, you know, again, and that's where teams like Dallas and Minnesota have this huge advantage. 
over teams like Cincinnati who doesn't even have a practice bubble. Maybe they should, you know, continue to go somewhere um, because they don't spend the money as we often talk about. So, um, but you see it all in all in all in Dallas weirdly goes, still goes away, even though they have the best facility in the NFL. So, you know, but when people talk about why do you go away for training camp, they say things like, well, camaraderie, and it's not about football. And that's real because you should develop chemistry and camaraderie and, and, and try to be together as a team. But I think overall, teams that have the ability to stay at their own facilities, they all understand, oh, yeah, this is a lot better than going to a Spartan college campus, um, you know, where, where the players are uncomfortable not getting the best nutrition, not getting the best health, all that kind of, you know what. Um, so, I mean, I'm not saying it's the exact comparison, but, you know, people looked at that sort of the same way, and now they it's it's become second nature. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So my only point being is when you say, yeah, you can look at tape anywhere, that's correct, but, you know, you're not – leaving you're not up uh, uh, you know you're with your families you're with your friends you're you're able to live your normal life you don't uproot for a couple days you don't again there's not that pull to uh, go to the bar at night and do all the extracurricular extracurricular <laughs> I can't even say it because it's too early in the morning all right well stuff, it, but- is, is where I'll jump in and stop you if you're so desperate to watch tape, McVay, stay in your room. Go to Indy, shake hands, do what you got to do all day. When they put it to bed at night, stay in your room and watch tape for six hours. You don't have to go to uh, whatever steakhouse you want to choose in Indianapolis. If you're there to meet players and there were players there and you could continue your evaluation, there might be some value in it. It's not. Let your general well, manager I don't go, think, let everybody you know, else as go. the leader of the organization, I don't think it's about him. I think it's about his vision of the organization. But, you know, then, yeah, the leader of the organization does, you know, he's got to lead. He's got to do what he wants to do. And the vast majority of people are still going and still showing up. I'm not saying it's right. Again, I'm playing devil's advocate. You have no, you, you know, you have very few, it, just to talk to these guys in person, and, and they'll say, well, we'll do it at the pro days and we'll have our top 30 visits and we'll bring people into the facility now that uh, COVID is is winding down uh, because there's other issues in the world. Um, I, you know, I, I it hasn't hurt them. I will say that. So people are going to look at it and say, well, it hasn't hurt them. So are we doing it the right way? I'm just saying, be prepared. Be prepared. I'm just saying, I know John McVay's got a Super Bowl ring, and I don't. But I'm sorry. If I were a head coach in the National Football League, he's where I would want to be there for both their pro days and the combine. Well, plus the they don't combine, want to deal with finish, the media John. either. They don't want to deal with the media either. Well, That's part of it as well. Except John McVay was ready to jump to Amazon and become a – uh, Sean McVay was going to become a member of the media. So, oh that's, my God, he's got to deal with the media. Oh, with such media. a hard ass for the Super Bowl winning coach. Yeah, right. Um, here's why you right. go to both the combine. If you're a coach, you go both to both the combine and the uh, pro day. You play now 17 games in the National Football League. On any given year, you're going to play one extra home game or one extra road game. The combine is like playing a road game. 
then it's not the perfect situation. Shoot, they had to fight tooth and nail just to get their nutritionalist in there and their extra coaches <laughs> in there. And that was ridiculous. But it's you're not under perfect situations. You're on a field that you don't know. You have that many more rides on you. That's what like is like playing in the road on the road in the National Football League. The pro day is in your stadium at home, your field. You said all all the the, the requirements, and that's a home game. And when you get to the NFL, you're gonna have to play home games and road games. So why not be able to evaluate someone in both arenas? If you're an evaluator, which I consider a head coach of a football team, an evaluator, you're damn straight. You should be a both. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, it, my, my point is, I, I don't think the, 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 the workouts are that important for teams. They've never been that important for teams. Now, if you completely, completely crap the, you know what, um, yeah, it can hurt you. Or if you turn into you know, we always bring up Mike Mamula locally. If you just are so much better than everybody else, it can help you. Um, but the vast majority of players are in between, and the vast majority of evaluation is done off the film. And the, and the, and the, and that's why I say it's more important for that cottage industry that's popped up uh, than it is for the teams themselves. Um, and, and, and again, there's a few exceptions, guys at the, the outliers, guys who were spectacular, Micah Parsons last year, guys who tell, but, but even look at Orlando Brown, who was just dismal at the combine. Uh, one of the worst 40 times ever. Um, I think he ended up going third round, you know, you know, he, he probably, there were there were some people who were talking about him as a late first round pick. Certainly, probably would have went in the second round. Fell a little bit. So you know, I'm not saying it can't affect you, uh, but it, it only affects you when you're expected to do something and you're so woefully bad at it that people start asking questions, and then they go back to the film and they say, "Well, what the hell's going on here?" And you know, that's that's how it goes. I, I, I just think, you know, and I've talked to enough people and we'll probably get Damo and he'll say the same thing. It, it's, it's not as important as people think it is, the actual workouts for the actual teams. We, we met, and Chris Landry mentioned that too when we had him on uh, about not last week, but I think the week before. It's just not as, as important as people think it is. I, I think... You're right. In the overall evaluation, I don't think it's anything more than a sliver. But to use your Orlando Brown as an example, Ravens took him in the third round. He was a Raven draft, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, and you don't know this, I don't know this, maybe they drafted him because Coach Harbaugh had a good session with him at the Combine. And despite the fact that he ran as slow as he did and had a at least uh, analytically a god-awful Combine, Maybe he actually impressed somebody with his interview. Maybe he said the right thing. Maybe he opened the coach's eyes with the way he went about the bit. Maybe because he did as badly as he did, but he handled it well after the fact that they said, yeah, you know, I- I'm going to throw that time out. I'm not even going to look at his 40 because the kid impressed me. That's not happening for the Rams this year because John McVay has chosen not, John McVay has chosen not to come. I think it's highway robbery. The Rams, the Rams will be fine. Yeah, because they got Aaron Donald. Then come out and say that, McVeigh. Yeah, I don't have to go because we've got Aaron Donald. 
<laughs> not, oh, I can do that much more work at home. Uh, yeah, we'll be at the office grinding away on tape. Yeah, right. All right, Jody McDonald, John McMullen here with you. Nick Sirianni in the house in Indianapolis. And we'll speak to the members of the media tomorrow. We're here with the coach has to say. Haven't heard from him since the end of the season. Certainly looking forward to that. Also looking forward to hear from our first guest. He joins us next. You're catching his work these days in Philly Mag and the 33rdteam.com. Our good bud, Paul Domwich, joins us here on Birch 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Mag and Mag Birds 365 Combine Kickoff Get Together Day here. With uh, John McMullen and Jody McDonald, we are joined by one of our esteemed colleagues. He's only been covering the birds for decades. Doing it these days for Philly Mag, writing great national stuff for the 33rdteam.com, including a combine article that uh, Johnny Mac raved over yesterday. I said, shoot, I guess I got to read Damo, which I did. And he was right. It was a very good combine article. Paul Domwich joins us here on Birds 365. Hello, Damo. Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, that was a great intro. Come on. Did you love that, Jody? I had to read down, though. 
you know, you blame Jody. I told him. I told him to I do it. Fine words, John. <laughs> uh, well, let's start there because it was a, a great piece, and everybody should check it out at the thirty thirteen dot com. Has the combine outlived its usefulness? So I'll start there. Has it? Has it outlived it? Because I think, you know, Sean McVay's not going again. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's not going. Robert Sala's not going. These are NFL head coaches that aren't going to the stinking combine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the important GMs and scouts have been telling us for years the you know the most important part of this is medicals. Yeah, and uh, and the measurables, and we've kind of always you know raised an eyebrow, but it, it's true. Uh, when I say it's outlived its usefulness, the the workouts are not going to go away because now it's a national television event. Yeah. Uh, so the league, but what I think we might see happen is it's just going to become a separate thing where you might have cash prizes to, you know, to, to get these guys to go out to LA or someplace to, uh, you know, participate in, in workouts that would turn into a, basically a contest. Um, and then you would still have the medicals and the measurables someplace else. Plus the pro days. I mean, the pro days are the why, this thing has kind of become, uh, you know, may have outlived its usefulness because players prefer to work out at their pro days. It's a more comfortable environment. They're getting out of their own bed in the morning. They're, uh, they're throwing, if they're a quarterback, they're throwing to their own receivers instead of guys they had never met until they got to the combine. So, um, you know, that's why it, you know, it may have outlived its usefulness. Right. Maybe I'm old school, but maybe I'm right too. Um, as I just said to John before you joined us, Thamo, uh, the reason why I still like the combine, and if I were a talent evaluator, I would still want the combine and value the combine. It's like playing a road game. And yeah. there was a big kerfuffle about how they were going to actually do this year's combines. The whole bubble thing was a bit much. The NFL bit off more than it could chew and had to back off that position pretty quickly when challenged. But, yeah, I, I want to know, can a guy deal with not perfect settings? You got to do that on the road. You know, you get on a, a, a plane. You got to fly across the country. You got to stay in a hotel. The hotels they stay in are probably pretty damn comfortable beds. But you get the point. I, yeah. I don't want them to be able to set all the, the players to dictate all the terms of how they're going to show off for me. Yeah, it's great that they have uh, pro days. But pro days are so player friendly. And they have so <laughs> many things that are set up exactly by them. Tell me how a guy works out. Tell me how a guy does his job when it isn't ultimate settings. That's why I like the combine, and I hope it never goes away. Yeah, I mean, some you guys read the story. Some of the complaints by the agents about the combine kind of come off as diva-like. I mean, <laughs> not having their nutritionist yeah. there, yeah. Um, you know, not having their you know their own strength coach there when they're when they're doing the two twenty-five bench. Uh, a cold environment because they have to walk across the street from the hotel to a, 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 a dome, which is 72 degrees. So I don't know where the cold comes in other than the wall. Well, that, but... that, that walk is tough, Domo. I was waiting for the green M&Ms only. Yeah. You got to have the green M&Ms. Exactly. I mean, John, you remember the days when, I mean, agents have forever been telling these guys not to work out there because they, they, they didn't think. Yeah the conditions were optimal. I mean, I mentioned in the story that they, you know, they went through it at a time, they kept changing the surface uh, that they ran the 40 on because the players were complaining was too slow. So they were trying to entice <laughs> them to work out yeah. there by getting a faster surface. 
uh, things like that. So, you know, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, you're right, Jody. Now, Dama, one of the issues I have with the combine is, is sort of the unintended consequence of they made it this big thing. They made, they turned it into this, and and I said it's created almost a cottage industry. And hey, I like all these people covering the draft as much as anybody. But you know, you have these kids playing college football, and you know, then they're about to enter the draft, and they spend their entire spring you know, specifically working out, not for football, but to, to make sure they have a good 40 time or they, you know, if you're an offensive lineman, you can get your 225 up to 35. And, you know, if, if people know what to, in the old days, you know, Deion Sanders, I was, you know, he just showed up and ran faster than everybody else. And you knew, well, this guy's thinking fast. He's not, He's not training to be a track star to get ready for the combine. How, how did people talk at all about the unintended consequence of making this thing such a big, big event, turning it in a negative direction when it comes to evaluation? Well, I mean, the league likes what's what it's turned into because yeah. there's I mean, all they care about are people that are going to watch it on TV. They turn they put all the drills or almost all the drills in prime time now. Um, you know, it, it gives them it it for, it gives them a bridge from the Super Bowl to the draft now, where you know people can focus on football and not not think about uh, Jody's favorite pastime, baseball. Um, they don't have to know, worry about that. Now you're right about the unintended. <laughs> they, they were, you know, I mean, these guys are being taught by track coaches at their training centers how to yeah. you know how to get off uh, to a, a quick start to to run a good forty, which. You know, what does that have to do with uh, when you line up on Sunday uh, once you're, you're playing football? So I, it seems like the league is starting to adjust some of these drills to be more uh, football uh, focused, uh, mostly the position drills, you know, the movements, uh, yeah. things they're going to do on the field. They're using GPS more now so that, uh, you know, they'll, they'll get more – they'll get times on what these guys actually run in football situations rather than just that 40 yard dash. So, you know, they're trying to offset some of that on the unintended consequences that you talked about regarding the uh, what's happening, but overall that they love it, that just this thing has become such an event and that's, you know, for the league, that's all they care about. Here's where I would want the combine. If I were someone tied to an organization, where else can you get, face-to-face tampering out of the start of the league year. Dama, you know that all the GMs and their assistants and like will be having little conversations with guys agents who are potential free agents and they'll mask it in. Well, he's got a player coming up in the draft and we have uh, some consideration for the player. We want to get some. No, they're talking about potential free agents and like laying groundwork for deals. It's the biggest open air tampering uh, event that the sport has every single year. If they did away with it, where the hell would they do all their tampering? Well, they do it on Zoom, I guess now. But uh, <laughs> you know, you're right, it gives them a head start. I mean, although a lot of agents, just like you, uh, John had mentioned about a lot of coaches not being there this year, a lot of agents aren't going because apparently they're having their, you know, they, they always have their agent, uh, an annual agents meeting yeah. there at the, at the combine. And this year, I guess they're doing it on Zoom, which is going to discourage a lot of these uh, agents from actually being there in person. So, but yeah, I mean, every year you'll see, you would always see, uh, you know, the Eagles. Well, yeah, people Dama, I'm sorry. Dama, hold on. Let me interrupt here. 
I, mm-hmm. I don't you've you've lost me. The agents who fought right. for it to be non-bubbled because they want the players to have absolutely everything. They're going to Zoom because COVID I don't want to go. Why the hell yeah. are they? Why aren't they in Indianapolis? They want the players well, to have freedom to do whatever they want. But oh, for them, they'll just have their meeting via Zoom. That doesn't add up to me. Well, I've, I've, the union the union runs the meeting, so it, uh, they're they're in charge of that. But yeah, you're right. Uh, but the you know a lot of the agents, their main focus for being there is protecting their clients uh, from getting stolen by another uh, agent. Uh, for years, <laughs> it, was, it would be yeah. hilarious. I, mean, I remember going back to the day. I, I you know I my first combine was 1987. I was the only guy there from the media. But in those first, first few years, you would see fights in the lobby. I mean, well, fights as eight as as far as an eight, two agents fighting, which is basically like hold me back, hold me back. Uh, <laughs> you'd see Drew Rosenhaus fighting with some guy in a long leather coat over you know who stole whose client and things like that. So that's that's the, that was that's usually their main focus of going there, and that's kind of one of the main reasons they were upset over the the bubble that was uh, initially going to be used because they wouldn't have had contact with their clients right. uh, during the combine. Yeah, it, it, it is interesting from an agent's perspective, because I think, you know, when whatever the number was, when they threatened to boycott, it was, you know, pretty significant, 150, I yeah. forget, whatever it was. But I think it was 12 agents. So, you know, the power, you know, there's so few agents, there's these high-powered agencies and, you're talking about 12 guys, so the fights are not as exciting because you see the same guys, <laughs> the same guys fighting, just fighting over and over again. But yeah, I, it, you know, from the perspective though of evaluation, and Jody and I were talking about this, and everybody, you know, and part of it, and I get it, you know, Sean McVay, everything Sean McVay does now, Jody's risking getting banned from the NFL by criticizing not a Sean McVay. Not scared. Um, <laughs> but there are other guys, and Kyle Shanahan obviously is well regarded as well. Robert Sala, obviously, is a Kyle Shanahan guy, so uh, they're not going. I don't. You mentioned some of the agents aren't going. Um, you know, part of it is Zoom, part of it is virtual. Um, is is there any sort of danger? Does the league see from, or are they just completely focused on? Uh, the television vehicle, and they don't they don't care about the other stuff. They only care about people tuning in. Yeah, I mean, the league itself, I think that's all they care about. You know, the people in New York, uh, the owners, uh, they just want to make this – I mean, they want – it's all about the bottom line and anything that makes this league more popular uh, and, and now will get people to gamble and, and everything else that they're, yeah. they're, they're focused on. Now – it's obviously different for the football people. I mean, they want to get as many looks as they can at these guys. But if you're a coach, uh, you know, going here to watch a guy run a 40, what's, you know, I mean, you're, 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 you've got film you can watch these guys on. Um, now you can, you can do your, you, you, you're, you're allotted. I forget the new rules, but, you know, they have a limit on, on the interviews at the combine, but they've also added a layer of interviews with the, with, with players, on zoom now. So, yeah. you, I mean, you can do everything on zoom with a guy that you could do in a room, including test them on, you know, I mean, because, you know, test them on a whiteboard and, and then things like that, that I, I don't know. I don't know the mechanics of how you do that on zoom, but it, it, 
it can be done. So, you know, if they don't have to travel, they don't want to. Uh, I think the coaches mostly liked Indianapolis for, you know, so they could go get a steak at, at St. Elmo's and, and drink, <laughs> drink in, the, in the hotel bar most exactly. of the night. Yeah. So, you know. Well, as I said to John earlier, if you're that motivated to watch tape, go up to your room. Don't go to St. Elmo's. But uh, you got to go to St. Elmo's, Joe. Well, I went to St. Elmo's when I was out there for uh, the baseball winter meetings one year. It was a good stake, but uh, if I've got work to do, if I had to prep for the next day show, I would have stayed in my hotel room. Peer pressure. Uh, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> buying into the. Uh, it's. It's not what it used to be. Here's where I think it's still key. Because uh, you're going to get drafted, somebody's going to take you, and the other 31 teams are going to become the enemy. Except if you have a long memory. And if you have a coach that, uh, in the interview process that you kind of liked, at some point a guy may become a free agent and he could say, well, no, you know, I like playing for that coach. I, If all things are equal and I can play for this coach rather than that coach, even that little 1%, Damo, maybe I'm narrow-focusing this, but I always want to get an edge. Get an edge any way you can. And the Combine is a place where you can get an edge in team building. Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, I mean, the fact that this has become a national primetime event now has has made a lot of these guys want to compete at the Combine because they can be seen by their family, by everybody. Uh, you know, I mean, they like being on TV as opposed to, you know, the, for years the league had to convince these guys or tried to convince these guys uh, – you know, you're 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 getting it better to get two bites at the apple as far as your workouts than just one. If you don't compete at the combine and go to the pro day and you do poorly, that's your you know that's your time. The league tried to convince these guys that you know you do you know we're going to take your best times, we're going to take your best vertical jumps. We're gonna, the agents would say, yeah, that's that's baloney. You know, if the all 32 coaches, GMs, and owners are in Indy, you perform poorly there, they won't forget that. Um, you know, so it, it's kind of like who you believe there. Uh, but I, you know, I, I always felt that, you know, if I were, if I were, if I were there, uh, one of the invitees, I mean, I'd rather, if, if I can compete twice and they're, and, and, and I believe they're going to take my best score, why would I only do it once? Right. Uh, when you could get sick the night before your pro day, anything could happen yeah. that, that would affect that. So I, I wouldn't want it to come down to that when my, when my career's on the line. Well, you know, I brought up Orlando Brown because I I think, you know, re, or Orlando Brown Jr. Because um, yeah. recently there's a kid who, uh, you know what to bet at the combine. I think he ran like a 5.85. I mean, just a disaster. And he did like yeah. 18 yeah. reps on the bench. And he turned in from a potential first-round pick to a third-round pick. And then, you know, people in Philadelphia – I automatically go and you know to Mike Mamula, maybe the first sort of combine star last year was yeah. Micah Parsons a little bit. Um, just so much better. It, it, the 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 workouts themselves, do they mean that much unless you're that outlier? Unless you're like a superstar or you do so much worse than everybody thought, people start thinking. All right, we gotta we gotta look at this kid and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. The in between, the guys that they that and that's the vast majority, they kind of know what they're going to do, and if they do it, how how much do the workouts really mean? Yeah, I, I think 
you know, you mentioned or, uh, Orlando Brown. I mean, I think he was the exception with regard to highly regarded guys who wet the bed and fell. I think mostly the combine and these workouts help guys who are mid-round, uh, are pegged mid-round, mid then go there and maybe run a 4-4, four, 4-3, four, four, jump through the sky, you know, really perform well and help themselves. I, I think I think it's mostly a positive effect for guys like that. I think if they, if, you know, if they compete and do what pretty much people expected of them, which like say you're a corner and you run a, you know, a high four or five, uh, you're going to go where they probably had you pegged off the film. So uh, I, I, you know, for those guys, I think it helps, it helps uh, working out at the combine or the pro days as opposed to uh, hurting them. Dama, let's get Eagle specific. And a guy like yourself who went out there for years uh, to cover the Eagles while watching the combine, um, they're going to have their fair share of Eagle beat guys out there. Although I don't know how they're going to get by without McMullen, uh, but they will. Um, where, what number question from the Eagle beat guys when Larry Roseman has his media availability tomorrow? What number question should be, Howie, and about your contract? Because we're a couple weeks away from him potentially being a lame duck general manager. Uh, if you were on the beat and you were there, would that be your question? If you had the leadoff spot, would you be the first guy to go? And Howie, you know, we got to ask you about your contract. How quickly should that question co come? And what do you think Howie's answer is going to be? You know, he'll, he'll, he'll say the typical, you know, just like I do with players, I don't talk about contract situations. So uh, it wouldn't be the first question I'd ask because, I, you know, there's no mystery. Knows the answer, yeah. Yes, there's no mystery that he's staying or that he's getting a new contract. So, yeah. uh, you know, but you still got to ask it at some point. He, there's enough time with him at the Combine and few enough people that you're able to ask multiple questions. So I would ask it at some point if it were just me. Um but again, it wouldn't be the top question. I mean, you, you want to find out you, you want to get him on the record again about what he said about Jalen Hurts being his quarterback in 2022 to follow that up with, you know, the Russell Wilson rumors, uh, <laughs> things like that, and then get into they don't usually tell you anything about players there. Uh, they used to. I mean, you could actually get a, a pretty good, decent comment on an evaluation on a guy. Now they don't even they won't go there. Uh, and the problem also going to the combine and asking questions about the draft and the players there is, you know, you know, everything is dictated by what they do in free agency first. You know, if they address yeah. some positions in free agency, it's going to change their draft strategy. So it kind of, you know, you don't get a lot from Howie there uh, unless you ask some questions that he seems to want to talk about. I don't know what they would be this year, but. You know, I think we're going to have questions about Russell Wilson. We're going to have questions about Jalen Hurts. We're going to have questions about those three first-round picks and and whether they'd be willing to trade them, where they're looking, the strength of the edge rush class, things like that will be the questions that will be first and foremost asked of him. Tom, how about uh, the personnel department? I mean, it's taken a pretty big hit right yeah. before the draft in that – Ian Cunningham's now in Chicago. Brandon Brown's with the Giants. Andy Waddle's going to be here, but he he got an interview to be the GM of the Steelers. Uh, Kevin Colbert's going to stay until after the draft, so that wouldn't be till later. But um, look, the Eagles are deep. They have one of the biggest personnel departments in the NFL, and I just you know 
when Cincinnati got to the Super Bowl and I saw it's basically, you know, Duke Tobin and three interns, uh, the Eagles go 21 deep. Uh, 21 deep they were when Brown and Cunningham were here in the scouting department. Big deal, not a big deal, losing guys like that? Yeah, I mean, you suffer enough hits, it, it starts to take its effect. Um, I'll be interested to see what they do. I think I think it was on this show a few weeks back, one of you guys asked me about Mike Mayock. Yeah, and Jody, I, at the Jody time, loves I kind of, Yeah, I kind of said, you know, I didn't think how he, how he would go there because I, I thought he would be threatened a little bit. Uh, after thinking about it, I'm not so sure because he's done this before, you know, the John Dorsey's and the, and the people people that might threaten him. I mean, the difference is Mike's a a Philly guy, popular and, you know, but he's, you know, he didn't, I mean, he had some, some poor drafts in, 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 in Oakland slash Vegas that kind of led, I mean, they were part of the reason he was fired. Not, not uh, largely the reason, but, I think he's a guy that that Howie would benefit from bringing in uh, in some capacity, or at least as an advisor, and do with with him like he did with John Dorsey, where you have him watch film. Um, I'm sure Howie, just like like Laurie does with coaches, he's got a list of people so that when things like this happen, and I mean, I don't think Andy Weidel's going anywhere, but maybe maybe Pittsburgh hires him, but I just don't see that. So Pittsburgh uh, but, guy, Damo. Pittsburgh I guy know. started there. Yeah, I know, and they and they like him. I mean, that's why he got the interview. Uh, but I, so I mean, I think they have some young, some names, probably some young people, up and comers that that Howie would you know like to hire if the opportunity arises and he has some openings or he just wants to hire them. So uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's a concern the hits he's taken with uh, regard to his personnel staff, but I'm you know. He's done a, you know, I got to say for, for he's done a pretty good job of finding people. I mean, he's ha- he's got good people on his staff. Uh, we can question some of his draft picks and who was responsible for them and how much of the blame lies with him. Uh, but he's also had some good picks, and you know, so you know, it doesn't concern me uh, that that he he won't be able to replace anybody he loses. I downloaded uh, with Mac and I doing this every day and me reading his uh, Philly voice columns. Uh, John has pretty much laid two things out for me, two things you can expect not to happen in this upcoming draft. Number one, Eagles are going to take a linebacker in the first round because, <laughs> oh, it hasn't happened in decades. And number two, Howie Roseman's not going back to why he can't go wide receiver in the first round for three straight years. He just can't do it. And he's probably right about both of those two things. But if he's wrong about one of them, which is it going to be? That the Eagles will take a linebacker in the first round or how he will if they keep all three picks, say, yeah, I still have a need at wide receiver. And that, of course, could be somewhat dictated by if they strike out in free agency and landing a wide receiver, if he's kind of up against it, which, which has got a better chance, as small as that percentage may be of happening, Eagles take a wide out or Eagles take a linebacker in the first round. I'm going to go with the second one. Uh, I agree. You know, I think their their preference is to find a wide, uh, you know, a real wide receiver to to pair with Devontae uh, Smith in free agency. But if the circumstances don't make that happen, if the you know if, if they're too if they're asking for too much money, if somebody else jumps in and signs them, it would not uh, surprise me to see them use if they keep all three of those picks. 
to use one of them on a wide receiver. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah was asked this question on the uh, conference call with reporters the other uh, on last week, late last week. And the name he brought up was Garrett, Garrett Wilson, the Ohio State wide receiver. Uh, you know, said he brings to the table kind of a combination of, a, you know, a, a guy, you know, a power guy and a speed guy. I mean, he's about six foot, 190 pounds. But uh, so getting back to the original point, though, that that would be the one I'd pick. I, I still don't think it's likely. I think they'll get one in free agency, but I think that's more likely than the, than the linebacker in the first round. All right, for me, Tom, I'm going to go percentages with you. I want a percentage that the Eagles actually take all three of those first-round picks in this draft, and then I want a percentage that one of them is an edge rusher, which I think is 100%. Yeah, yeah. at least one edge rusher. Uh, I'm going to go go 50% on them keeping all three uh, because I – I, you know, everything's connected to something else uh, here. You know, I mean, the, whether they keep the three picks is connected to whether they go get a veteran quarterback, which they say they're, you know, won't. But, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily know if that's true or not. But if they if they don't, you would you would think you'd want to move one of your first round picks to next year. Uh, so you have an extra one next year when if if Jalen Hurts does not turn out to be the future you know, you can get a quarterback next year in a deeper draft of quarterbacks. So I would, that's why I'd say 50%. Um, and on the edge rusher, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it, it just, all the pieces fit. They're not going to get the first two guys. Uh, yeah. The, and, and, but, but there, there's, there's a, there's a, there's three, a ton four, of them. Yeah. five guys that are going to be right there between 15 and 20 that they can have their pick at. So uh, that's, that's, I think that's almost a sure, sure thing. All right, Damo, uh, Free agency starts in just over two weeks from now with the start of the league year. And then you've got another month and change, six more weeks. You got to wait before the draft. Will Derek Barnett sign with anyone during that six week period? Or is he going to have to wait for the teams to go? Yeah, we kind of like you, but eh, get back to, we'll get back to you the first week of May after the draft is over and done with. Is somebody going to actually going to step out and say, no, we really like Derek Barnett and get him signed, or is he going to have to sit around and wait till after the draft? Well, I don't think anybody's going to stand up and say, I, I, boy, I really like Derek Barnett right now. But, uh, I, you know, it depends on what his, he and his agent think. I mean, are they are, are they looking for a one-year deal and a, and a chance to prove that, he you know, he can play someplace else and, uh, and then work on a long-term contract next year? If that's the case, maybe somebody signs him early. My guess is he hangs around for a while uh, and, and, and then ends up signing a one-year deal because nobody's going to give him, um, you know, <laughs> a lot of money and a lot of years uh, based on what we've seen from him. All right. Last one for me, Tama. We got to talk about the quarterback. Before that, make sure you read Tama with the 33rdteam.com, especially that combine piece. Uh, celebrate the start of the combine by – debating its usefulness uh, moving forward. But as far as Jalen Hurts, you know, one thing we talk about, and a lot of people bring up, and I think short-term it makes a lot of sense. Look, if you trade for Russell Wilson, if he happened, you know, there's so many hurdles. Seattle has to say we want to trade him. Then he has to say, okay, I'll accept a trade to Philadelphia. Then you have to give significant assets. And people bring up what you would have to pay Russell Wilson 
or just Sean Watson or somebody of that nature, which is legitimate. And Jalen Hurts is set to get, I think, $1.6 million this year. But how he's got to think about things in two, three-year windows, decision time is coming up on Jalen Hurts. This is it. After yeah. this year, then you've got to make a decision. I brought this up to Jody. If he has the similar type years he had this year, say statistically, a um, lot of big plays, maybe you're nine and eight first round and out in the playoffs, just a good Pro Bowl alternate, just a good solid quarterback, but not a star quarterback. The going rate for that is going to be 30 million a year. And all of a sudden, you know, there's no more cost effective and you got to make a serious, serious decision on Jalen Hurts. Plus, you have the three first-round picks. You don't have that every year. Does all of that create a bigger sense of urgency than we think for Howie Roseman this offseason to make a decision at the quarterback position? Well, I mean, I think he can afford to wait until after next season um, to make a decision. Because uh, this is Jalen. This will be Jalen's third year. So yeah. he wouldn't. He wouldn't so be he's going. He's got any. one more year. He's got one right. more he year. He wouldn't be, be able to become a free agent as a second round pick until, you know, until after the twenty twenty three season. Uh, correct. Am yeah. Correct there. But correct. if you you know as you see with the twenty eighteen class, Jordan Mailata, Josh Sweat, Dallas Goddard, yeah. Vontae Maddox, you get that extension before. If he yeah. plays at that level, and we have two Pro Bowl alternate seasons, we have two playoff appearances, his agent, you saw Kyler Murray's missive. <laughs> you see what's going on in Arizona. His yeah. agent's not going to say, okay, we'll play out the fourth year of our rookie deal. He's going to want that extension. Well, the worst-case scenario with a quarterback in this league right now is a Baker Mayfield type of situation. You don't know what you got. You know, you you get to you get to the end of his contract. You don't think he's he's a franchise player, but you you know you might not. He might be better than pretty much what you're going to be able to get out there unless you give away the the you know the bank. So you've got to decide. Well, do we do we pay this guy more money than he's worth and, and believe we can win with this guy, or do we go look somewhere else? And that ultimately will be a decision they'll have to make on on Jalen. You know. When I look at this particular situation, I mean, Jalen improved this year. I believe he'll improve next year. But what we don't know what Howie doesn't know is what's his ceiling. I mean, what? I mean, is he just going to end up being a, a very good quarterback, a, a decent quarterback who can who can also be a factor as a runner, or is he not going to be that? And you 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 know it, you know Howie needs, and that that's why Howie gets paid the big bucks. I mean, because he's. He's kind of got to project that now a little bit. Uh, yeah. I think he'll sit tight. I think he'll wait, see what he sees next year before um, making this decision. And if he has draft picks, he can always draft a guy next year. Uh, but, you know, you get back to the Russell Wilson situation here. And and with Howie, you know, we just saw the Rams win a Super Bowl going all in. You know, the big trade with the quarterback, giving away your draft picks. Matthew Stafford helps him win a, a, a Super Bowl. You can argue, you know, whether he was the 
main factor, not, but, uh, and how he sometimes is influenced by things like that. So does he say we can do the same thing with, with Russell Wilson, but you know, the Rams had the other pieces for the most part. Uh, the Eagles don't, they have to rebuild an entire defense. If you trade away two or even all three of your first round picks this year, how do you rebuild that defense? Uh, you know, so that, that, that's my reluctance, even if I didn't fully believe Jalen could be uh, a franchise quarterback, is, you know, they're not a team right now that can, you know, if, if Russell Wilson comes here, is probably going to win the Super Bowl in the next year or two, like, like the Rams were capable of doing with the Goff-Stafford trade. So that would make me reluctant to pull the trigger on a deal for Russell Wilson right now. Russell Wilson's probably got, I mean, he's got probably four more, Pro Bowl level years left, at least. Uh, but I still don't want to trade three first round picks for a 34 year old quarterback. I Domo, last one for me. I'll wrap on this. You're in a unique situation to be able to be asked and then answer a question like this. You're quasi retired. You're not on the beat every single day, but you're still covering the Eagles for Philly Mag and the whole league for 3013. Let's say your boss gets in touch with you from the 33rd team and says, hey, Damo, we do real well with clicks south of the border. And the Eagles and the Cardinals are playing in a studio Azteca, the stadium down there in Mexico City. We need you to go down there a couple days in advance. Get some Eagle fans who went down to see the game. Give us the feel of how the return to Mexico, because no COVID game last year, plays in Mexico this year. If they offered you that assignment, would you say yay or nay? I'd say nay. <laughs> Come on. Great Corona down there. Real life Corona. <laughs> we're getting fake Corona? Is that what we're saying? I, I, I've kind of gotten used to not getting on an airplane, Jody. And, yeah, it's nice. I like that part's nice. Yeah. 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 You pa- had your passport lapsed. <laughs> it has not. Okay, well, they might not make it a question. They might make it a demand. And I'm yeah, sorry I, if anyone from the 33rd team is listening and you get stuck with this assignment next year. With with all due respect to the people that run 33rd team, given what they're paying me, I don't think they're going to ask me to go. Damo, no, you like uh, us. We'll be in front of the TV watching some of the combine stuff. We can build it up. We can tear it down, whatever else. But it's going to be on TV, and it's Eagles content, so we will be taking it in. We appreciate you sharing Eagles content with us today. Thanks, bud. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. Well, Domwich, 33rdteam.com, and Philly Mag covering the Eagles here with us on Birds 365. All right, I threw it out there as a question, but I'll make it one for my partner as well. Are you looking forward to going to Mexico? It's not official, but there's a good chance the Philadelphia Eagles could be playing going no, on the road, Birds uh, no. fans. We know the Eagles are one of the best traveling teams in the NFL. Can you take it south of the border? I'll discuss that with John McMullen when we come back here on Birds 365.
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Get your Mac and Mac guys here on Merch 365 McDonald and McMullen hanging with you. I'm going to have a uh, fun guest coming up about less than 20 minutes from now uh, from NBC Sports Philly. Johnny Happy. John Clark is going to jump aboard. He's had Johnny Airport. Johnny Sunshine. There's a lot of Johnnies. He's he's got a couple nicknames, as a matter of fact. Uh, uh, He's got has had a couple of pretty damn good guests on his takeoff podcast of late. And, you know, he covers the Eagles all year long for NBC Sports Philly. So John Clark going to join us coming up less than uh, 20 minutes from now. Uh, I'm guessing John Clark would be asked to head down to uh, Stadia Azteca if the Eagles are playing the Cardinals this year on the road south of the border. You got your passport up to date, McMullen, if need be? No, I don't. I I, got to get that done. Uh, It is not up to date. Um, So, yeah, um, crossing my fingers. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think there's a lot of politics involved. I I think they'd rather have a California team uh, go down there with them for obvious reasons. Uh, but then you start talking about, 
you know, Arizona probably doesn't want to, it's a home game for Arizona. So they don't, they don't want to play a, a division home game uh, on the road, essentially on a neutral right. environment. Neutral field. Um, so then you start talking about non-division uh, opponents. And I think two of them are already locked up uh, with other international games. Um, so I think it comes, you know, then it would be the Eagles in a group with a couple others. Um, Chiefs are in there, I think. Patriots are in there. So some pretty high-profile teams. Um, it's going to be interesting. But, you know, would I go? Yeah, I'd go. But uh, I I prefer that it's not on the schedule simply because I don't want the headaches of updating the passport and doing all those things. Right. And, oh, by the way, be careful of the water you drink when you're down there. That oh, you can't. Get yeah. in bottle as well. Yeah. Um, bottle Corona. But Jeff Laurie <laughs> is a pretty big proponent of international football. If if well, if yeah. there's any, would you like to go type looking at it, evaluating this? Uh, I don't think the Eagles would say no. No, I don't think they would say no. But um, you know, especially because it's a, a road game, you know, the, the only issue becomes when it's a home game uh, for different teams. Now, some like it. Jacksonville obviously uh, goes to uh, the UK every year, but um, every year non-bubble you know non-bubble year but um it, it you know everybody in the league says they like international games want to open up international games but the logistics when you have to do it is not fun so it becomes one of those things as an owner you say yeah we want to open up these markets and they're going to have a game in germany this year um but you know, then when you actually have to go through it, it's it's not the funnest thing in the world, certainly for the teams and the players. And you start talking about, um, you know, playoff positioning and everything so close in the NFL, and you're giving up a home game at times if you're if you are that home team. A lot of things go into it. And uh, you it took me to my next question. Thank you very much, because the game in Munich, Germany will include the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're going to give up one of their nine home games this year. Uh, NFC teams all have the extra home game. Last year, the AFC teams had the extra home game, so all the NFC teams played an extra road game. This year, it flips the <laughs> NFC teams have the extra home game, and the ninth one for the Bucs is going to be played in Munich, Germany. They probably started to lay the groundwork for this before that Brady guy decided to retire <laughs> and be, be a pretty good guy to put over to Germany if you're looking to grow that market. Um, Blaine like, Gabbert, not going to do it for you? Oh, Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, I can't believe. Hey, I'll give the coach credit. He, he, he says it with a straight face when he does, which I think is very oh, difficult. I get, you do. know what I love? I saw some uh, Mitchell Trubisky uh information oh how many how many teams want you'd be surprised how many teams want mitchell trubisky where do you think that info came from speaking of agents in indianapolis well somebody's on zoom at least because that that's leaking out there yeah everybody's getting a line for mitchell trubisky look out and uh, it'll be very interesting yeah it, if trubisky gets a place where he's going to be able to go and compete i'm sure that's where he's going to go but uh, i've got a buddy in new york who told me that uh, the the Giants will be players for Mitch Trubisky. Well, that, that, don't get me wrong. It, because there's such a dearth of quarterbacks, he's going to get an opportunity. 
I'm just laughing at the point of teams are lining up. Look, you're going, we, we know all the names and the vast majority aren't, aren't leaving. That's the problem. You know, Aaron Rodgers looks like he's going back to, to green Bay. If he doesn't, you know, it's pretty much Denver and that's it. And, and then we go down from there and the Russell Wilson's and uh, Deshaun Watson and, Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins and on and even Jameis Winston and on and on and on. Um, you know, you're 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 going through a lot of names before you get to Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, if you're serious about the quarterback market, uh, is all I'm saying. But he will get an opportunity because there's not 32 starting level quarterbacks in this league. Well, then let me try and uh, pin you down a little bit further. He will get an opportunity. I need you to define that for me. Is well, he going to sign? Just, Hold on, John. I got to ask the question before you answer it, all right? Sure. Go will, ahead. He, will he get a job as a backup quarterback? Will he be able to compete for a quarterback position? Or will he be the starter when camp opens? How how interested are teams around the National Football League about Trubisky? Um, I think he will get an opportunity to be a starter um, in that, you know, you might have a young quarterback and you might bring him in uh, and, and let them compete. It might be a situation, as you mentioned, with the Giants where you have a um, starter who's not great um, and certainly is going to have a leg up, but it, Daniel Jones would would not perform well. He would have an opportunity. I don't think anybody's going to sign Mitchell Trubisky and have a press conference and have the balloons out there and say, "Oh, our starting quarterback, get behind Mitchell." You know, you want to sell tickets, you want to get people excited. That's not the way to do it. Um, and you know, that's how agents work. It. I mean, they they leak information to certain reporters and. You know, I always give Mike Sealski credit for that. Our, our, our buddy from the Inquirer, he, he calls it information brokers. Uh, and that's what they are. And they, they leak that information out. And, oh, teams are really excited about Mitchell Trubisky. And he was really hurt by Matt Nagy, who all of a sudden is an idiot, uh, even though he got to the playoffs with Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, and he really benefited from his year and, in 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 Buffalo, and obviously that's where the connection with the Giants is because Joe Schoen is there and Brian Dayball is there now. So you know people put two and two together. Maybe that's how it shakes out. But I find it very hard to believe that any team is going to say we need a quarterback. Let's go target Mitchell Trubisky. Um, but he'll get an opportunity. So that's my right. definition of opportunity. Gotcha. And I think New York is actually a good landing spot for him. I'm not a Trubisky fan. I, I think that you're right. Uh, I don't put his inability to win playoff games and or his making the playoff games on Matt Nagy. I, I just think he's an okay quarterback at best. I'm not sure that Daniel Jones is even that. So if there are uh, how many jobs out there, yeah, he could go down and beat out uh, uh, whoever's going to be the Tampa quarterback right now uh new york there's a handful of teams where he'd have a legit chance to compete and maybe steal a job when the season opens there aren't a ton of there are some but there's a whole bunch of teams already locked in right wrong or indifferent 
you don't think he'd actually be able to come here to Philadelphia and compete with Jalen Hurts. Eagles wouldn't do anything like no. that, would they? No, I think Jalen's more entrenched than that, uh, than where he's going to be um, concerned with Mitchell Trubisky. Look, I think Jalen played very well last season, and we brought it up a lot. There's uh, Greg Rosenthal's NFL.com rankings for the quarterbacks because I think they were good. I think they were pretty much spot on. You know, you can always argue certain players should be a couple spots up or down. And he had Jalen Hurts at 17. And um, Gardner Minshew, too, I think was 37. So I thought it was really fair um, in that Minshew's probably a top five backup. Jalen's probably right there, middle of the road, starting quarterback. And that's my concern. I've been bringing it up a couple times. I brought it up with you. I brought it up with Damo. He's a good quarterback. Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback. But then you get in this conversation, and I'm going to try to get Eric Eager from uh, Pro Football Focus on, because he's really hard with this. And I know he's at the combine, so I'll probably try next week. But And he he's really steadfast that with guys like Cousins and, and, and Carr and that sort of good but not great quarterback, you can't pay them the money they're getting paid and win because it affects the back end of your roster. And you know, you know how that works. And that's why I keep bringing up people don't realize how quickly that's going to come for Jalen Hurts. And it's going to come right at the time when the salary cap is going to spike because that new money starts flooding in from the TV deals, he's going to get paid a massive, massive amount of money. So that's why I say when people say, well, you can't pay Russell Wilson. You got to pay him so much money. You got to pay. All right. You're thinking about one year and that's legitimate for one year. But if he plays like you think he's going to play, if he doesn't improve, we just heard Damo say he's going to improve. I think he's going to improve. You think he's going to improve, I think. Well, if he improves over last year, he's going to get paid a boatload of money. And then you're in Kirk Cousins' world where you've got to pay a quarterback who's not, who's good, but he's not great, all this money and that affects everywhere else on your roster. And that's what the Eagles are looking at. And it's not it's not here, but you can see it on the horizon. If you're in the car, you can see it on the horizon. Two things. Um, wherever I uh, most certainly agree with you. Um, yeah, you asked me, do you think he's going to improve? Oh, I think Eagle fans are going to hate me for this, but I'm giving you my honest opinion. The worst case scenario is going to happen because there's three ways they can go with Jalen Hurts this year. One is he's phenomenal. They had him, as you quoted, the pro football focus uh, rankings at the 17th quarterback. He's not jumping up into the top six or seven. That's not happening. That would be great. He's not falling down to number 29 where you go, okay, we know what we got to do. We got to get ourselves a new quarterback. This guy actually regressed. No, I think you'll see incremental improvement this year, which will be after his rookie year. There was incremental improvement this year. You get incremental improvement next year, which leaves you right there in the middle as to what you're referring to. 
if you're in the top 15, you're right there in the middle. You're going to get paid. It, it skyrockets, which, oh, by the way, as a second round pick, that's a year earlier. Now the first, uh, the fifth year for the rookie quarterbacks, they go up pretty quickly, but not as quickly as free agent money takes you. So you're actually at a one-year disadvantage because he's a second-round pick because he can get to free agency a year earlier than a first-round quarterback is taken. So, yeah, I kind of fear that that's worst-case scenario. You'd want them either to be really good so you're confident about it or really bad so you know you got to move on. I think we'll see the same thing from Jalen Hurts because he's got some skills, he's got some capabilities, He's not going to set the world on fire when you watch him on tape. He's never going to be that wow skills guy. So you're going to be left kind of in the middle. And sometimes in the middle is the worst place to be. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I, I, I'm i amazed that so many people say, well, he's under contract through 2023, which is correct. So they think, well, you have two years. Uh, no, you don't. I mean, you see it now with Kyler Murray, different type, uh, obviously, is a top uh, you know, pedigree pick, but you're, you're talking about two years. He would be coming off after this season. If he just plays the same two years of really effective football, um, as you said, probably middle of the range league wide, well, he's not going to sit there and go into the next season as a lame duck. His agent's going to be stomping and stamping or so I need an extension. I need, and, and the, it's going to be big, big, big money. It's going to be big money. So you can't just say, I don't want to pay Russell Wilson. I don't want to pay Deshaun Watson, which so many people have said. That's fine. You're going to have to pay Jalen Hurts. If if you think these same people think Jalen Hurts is going to be an improving player, if that's the case, you're just kicking the can down the road like so many criticize Howie Roseman for because the 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 bill is coming due either way and do you want a superstar or do you want a middle of the road purgatory guy here's the reason why i'm not as worried about the scenario that you just laid out there um that's not jalen hurts we saw that it was kyla murray dropped all his social media contact with the Cardinals, blah, blah, blah. He set the stage for his agent to come out and go, hey, you know, my guy, we're good. We want to be with the Cardinals. They want us. We want them. Let's start talking about a contract. Jalen Hurts isn't going to play that game. That's not his personality. He's a work hard, work ethic. I'm there for the team, leader type guy. I don't think he goes down the road of even via social media diva to go, yeah, and I need my contract extended. I think you really can take the entire two years to evaluate Jalen Hurts. If, if he well, has a I, middle of I the road agree. here next year, I don't think he's the kind of guy who's going to try and grandstand into an extension. I agree that Jalen's not going to be a diva. But his agent, Nicole Lynn, is not going to sit by and let Jalen be taken advantage of her. That's what she gets paid for. And that's what every agent does. There's not a player in this league, and especially at the quarterback position, we talk about lame duck and how we be in the lame duck and uh, lame duck coaches. Same thing with the quarterback. You don't want to be a lame duck quarterback. Um, I'm just saying it's not going to happen. I mean, uh, there's going to be 
Now, it might be a team-friendly extension. I'm, I'm not saying the Eagles aren't going to get it done if he plays at that. I'm saying, is that the position that you want to be in? Because even team-friendly, remember Carson Wentz was team-friendly back, back in the day. Um, you're going to have to pay a lot of money. So it, 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 the people arguing that that's the reason they don't want to go after Russell Wilson, if Russell Wilson is available, Deshaun Watson, if Deshaun Watson comes available. I'm just saying that finance argument, Jody, doesn't hold water because that's just a short-term thing. Either way, you're going to be paying big money for a quarterback in two years, whether Jalen Hurts continues to develop and play at the level he is, or you go out and get a superstar quarterback right now. Unless, unless. Or you can turn it over. With the 19th pick in the draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select Kenny Pickett from the University of Pittsburgh. I like the way you describe it. Get an extra dart to throw at the board going forward. Not impossible. I would say unlikely. I'd say the percentage of the Eagles doing that is small, but it's not a zero either that they could take a quarterback with one of their three first-round picks. All right, Johnny McDonald, John McMullen, we are your Mac and Mac guys. We're open to punch up next. Johnny Sunshine, our buddy John Clark from NBC Sports Philadelphia, has had some good guests, specifically Eagle guests, on his takeoff podcast of late. Want to get some Eagles questions for John Clark, hopefully next here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222.
field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Yeah, your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Thank you for jumping aboard, streaming in with us. Hopping aboard with us right now. You see him on NBC Sports Philly. You see him on NBC 10. You may see him on a tennis course somewhere near your house. John Clark joins us here on Birds 365. How you been, JC? Been really good. How about you guys? How you doing? Good to see you, John. Uh, Johnny Airport, and don't forget takeoff with John Clark. So, a great podcast with so many uh, big name Philadelphia stars. Uh, tremendous podcast, I would argue, uh, best in the city. So, everybody, uh, take a look at that. John, uh, we're an Eagles based show, but I want to talk a little Ben Simmons, but I'll save that for last. But uh, Eagles wise, you you've had so many guys on on your podcast. Uh, recently talking about Jalen Hurts, and that's the number one issue as this team moves forward. And you know, you saw the press conference and Howie Roseman, Nick Sirianni, sort of that boat of confidence for Jalen Hurts. But we know this team, they do their due diligence. They're going to make the phone calls. Where are they with the quarterback one of this team? Is it 100% Jalen Hurts, or are you leaving a little bit of a door open uh, to go in a potentially different direction. Well, thanks a lot for giving a shout out to the podcast. And yeah, that is the number one discussion. Uh, will Jalen Hurts be the quarterback this year? And, you know, I found it really interesting after the season ended when Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni said Jalen Hurts is our guy. And I think the key part is they told him that he is their guy. So I think what happened I'm guessing and surmising that Howie Roseman, as he does, he's he's done some good intel on the quarterback landscape. And, you know, I think Russell Wilson during last season had it floated out there that there were a, a certain number of teams that he would want to go to. And his agent must have floated it out there. Eagles were not one of them. So I think Howie Roseman has done his intel. And I think he has spoken to or heard from or gotten intel on Russell Wilson. And my personal opinion is, is I'm sure they heard that Russell would not necessarily be choosing to be traded to the Eagles. Uh, I believe he has a no trade clause or yeah. has the ability to decide where he goes. Is that right? Yeah, he does. But yeah. let me say this. Let me jump in, John. Last year when this happened and Deshaun Watson, the same way he had a no trade clause and said, I don't want to come to Philadelphia. But at that point last year, remember, Nick Sirianni was an unknown. You know, they didn't have a lot of weapons. All of a sudden, you have Devontae Smith now. Dallas Goddard has emerged as one of the best tight ends. So things have changed a little bit. Nick Sirianni's a known commodity, did a good job, arguably the best rookie head coach. Um What's the harm in picking up the phone and saying, hey, we're in a better situation. The Philadelphia Eagles are better than what they looked at, looked like last year, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, if the legal entanglements get cleared up. They look like a better situation now than they did 12 months ago. I don't disagree. And I think 
I think that's a possibility. And I believe that Howie Roseman and the Eagles are going to see if there's any upgrade at any position and quarterback being one of them. They're closely watching the Deshaun Watson situation. And yeah, they make a call to Russell Wilson. They make a call to the Seattle Seahawks. But look, I don't you think that after the season, they could have said, hey, the quarterback is like any position. Yeah. We're going to try to upgrade yeah. at any position. But they got together and they decided to publicly announce that day that Jalen Hurts is our guy and he's going to be our quarterback next year and that they told Jalen that. So I do think it would take something out of the norm or what they were expecting for that to change. That's just my personal opinion because they didn't have to come out with that hard stance. That was, But as my partner likes to say – Neither Harry Roseman nor Nick Sirianni were under oath at the time. They can <laughs> change their story if something Absolutely. comes up that uh, is just significantly better. All right, John, uh, I'm going to bed on Sunday night so I can get up here, get do birds 365. I got NBC 10 on. I got John Clark giving me my Sunday sports wrap. And I got a cut from the podcast that you did with Brian Dawkins. And he said something that just didn't ring true for me. I want to get your feeling on it. You asked him, rightfully so, about uh, uh, the defensive coordinator and how it worked out in his first year here in Philadelphia. And Doc said he thought he changed his philosophy in midseason. The Gannon started the year one way, but in season he became more aggressive and he took more chances. I don't know that that was the case. Now, I know Brian Dawkins knows more about NFL defense than I'll, I'll, I'll ever know. So I got to give him at least the benefit of the doubt because he's Brian Dawkins, and I sure as hell am not. But I can also evaluate myself. Do you think the Eagles changed their defense midstream? We know they changed their offense. Nick Sirianni came out and said it. We had to become a running-based offense to win, and they did. I think the defense stayed pretty steady all year. I don't think there was any massive change. I just think the quarterbacks they were playing, some of the teams they were playing, weren't quite as good. Uh, did you buy that when Doc was trying to sell it that uh, over the course of the season, the D.C. changed his overall philosophy? Well, I think that he did blitz a little more. I, I do think that he also started to let uh, Darius Slay play some man coverage. I, I think that he changed up some of those things. I mean, at first, when they started the season, he basically was playing his safeties way back and – Look, I get it. You don't want to give up the big play. But it, it wasn't an aggressive defense. And as Brian said, he thought it was very vanilla, which it was. So if you're having your safeties play way back and then you start to adjust your scheme and you're playing more single high safety, I think that is an adjustment. And I think Slay, Slay was very open. He likes to play man coverage. And I don't think they were doing that early on. And I think eventually they were like, okay, this game, this game, this game, I think it's best if we do do that. So I think he did change his defense. Um, and, and yeah, I wish he was more aggressive. But, but let me ask you this. Did he have the personnel that allows you to have a defense like Jim Johnson had, an attacking style defense like Brian Dawkins had when he was there? And I don't know of that to be true. Rodney McLeod was coming back from knee surgery. The safety position not exactly a big strength. You had Darius Slay in the secondary, and then you're asking linebackers and a defensive front that 
you know, let's be honest, the defensive front, they weren't exactly getting after the quarterback and getting home. Uh, Derek Barnett is the king of getting some pressure, but they weren't necessarily getting home. Fletcher Cox, uh, I think there was a big issue with him and Jonathan Gannon, yeah. and they eventually worked through that. So uh, your premise, I agree, they didn't go crazy uh, becoming more aggressive. And look, I think in that playoff game against the Tampa Bay Bucks, I think it really showed that Brian Dawkins was right. Quarterbacks these days, you can't sit in a coverage for the last six, seven, eight seconds of the play clock because Tom Brady, he's going to see everything and he's going to pick you apart. I did want to see more mixes of coverage and show a look with 15, 16, 18 seconds left in the play clock and mix it up as the play clock is winding down uh, because Tom Brady picked him apart. Now, one, one thing is that defensive line was not able to get any pressure until they lost the key lineman. So um, I agree. I, I think that they do need to do more. They need to get better talent. Jonathan Gannon needs to be more aggressive, but he did change some things up. He definitely did. And they were playing inferior talent, and that did help out a lot. Well, let's talk about the draft. The combine starts this week, John, and this is going to be one of the most important drafts in Eagles history because they have three first-round picks. They start the process with three first-round picks. So no guarantee how he's going to potentially trade up, trade down, trade out. Um, but let me ask you this. You mentioned defensively they need – to restock the cupboard, so to speak. They need more talent. I think we could all agree with that. Do you think this team, if they take those three first-round picks, are they disciplined enough? Because you know Jeffrey Lurie. You know what he likes. You've been around this team for a long time. He thinks you need an explosive offense to succeed consistently in the modern NFL. They have an offensive head coach. Would they be disciplined enough to go defense, defense, defense in the first round of the draft. Yeah, I do think so, uh, because I think they see what they need. And on offense, I think they're really good at tight end. I think they've got a decent receiver, really good receiver with Devontae Smith. And I think you can get a receiver in free agency. And I was doing a podcast with Chris Collinsworth, and he talked about how the NFL is now, you got to have three receivers. Yeah. You take a look at the Bengals, and you got to have a different style. So I think you've got the speed with Devontae Smith, um, Quez Watkins, boom, send them down the field, uh, attract the safety help with, with Quez Watkins. And then I think you need a big-bodied receiver. And I think you've got a couple guys out there where you can accomplish that. Mike Williams, who used to play for Nick Sirianni with the Chargers. Um, you've got a couple of other guys out there, Allen Robinson, uh, that are available. So I think you can take care of getting that third receiver who would become your second receiver or a tandem with Devontae Smith. I think you can take care of that in free agency. And I think then you go get pass rushers. You saw in the playoffs, the Super Bowl, it always comes down to the biggest moments, guys on the defensive front or an outside linebacker spot getting to the quarterback. And they desperately need that. If Derek Barnett is gone, Fletcher Cox is getting up there once again. Go get pass rushers. And the thing I agree with Brian Dawkins about, you need a really good defensive playmaker at each level of your defense. 
I think they've got that with Slay. You need to get a playmaker at linebacker, but more importantly, you need more pass rushers. So I think, yes, they will be disciplined uh, to either do two of three or all three on the defensive side of the ball. All right, JC, I want to ask you about a guy who you've talked to recently for your podcast. And if he whispered sweet nothings in your ear and you want to divulge here, yeah, I know that hasn't happened, uh, but we'll, we'll take it any way we can get it. But I'm going to ask you interpret interpret a little bit. Jason Kelsey, uh, we expect that a decision will be made between now and the start of the year. He hasn't committed to play. He hasn't committed to not play this year. And I think it will have a big impact on what the Eagles do in both free agency and the draft. Jason Kelsey coming back for 2022? I think so. Um, when I talked to him at the Super Bowl festivities, um, he said his body feels really good. That's Mentally, good. he's really good. And we talked about the things that he loved about football. And since the pandemic loosened up a little bit with the NFL this past year, he loved, he couldn't stop talking about being around the guys all the time again, whether it's in the lunchroom, uh, you know, all over the meeting rooms, being together. Um, he loves that. And I think he knows he would really miss that. So I think if the body and mind are feeling good and talking to his brother, his brother said he thinks he, Jason has a number of really good years left and that he absolutely loves football. He did say, but, a big but, that he's got two really young girls at home, young kids at home that he really loves and adores and wants to spend more time with. But I get, I get the sense that he is leaning towards or the family believes that he will come back. And one eagle that I talked to, he said, I think he's coming back. We've got unfinished business. He saw the team, the way, the way they were able to run the ball, and you found something with this team. It's unfinished business, and he wants to come back. And give credit to the uh, Novacare chefs because Jason Kelsey loves that uh, cafeteria, John. Uh, I want to go down to the first coast of Florida with you, uh, John Clark, because you've talked to Doug Peterson a number of times, and he ends up in Jacksonville. Boy, that's a great situation. I don't know about the organization because the organization has been a disaster, but Doug Peterson teamed up with Trevor Lawrence for a head coach in this league to get a talent at the quarterback position. Again, you, you do hedge with the Jaguars, Jaguars, because they've been the Jaguars, but boy, that's a good spot for Doug Peterson. Do you see it the same way? I agree with you. I, I did have one Eagles player who, who played for Doug that said he would have wanted him to go somewhere else because of that Jaguars situation. Uh, but I agree with you. I mean, it's almost like kind of starting over with Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, a young quarterback. You've got Trevor Lawrence. Um, and, and, and I think I think Doug, look, Philly is a really tough market. And Andy Reid talked about going from Philadelphia, one of the toughest football markets, to Kansas City, where first press conference, you've got some writers who went up and shook his hand and gave him a hug. Um, and I think Jacksonville <laughs> is a tremendous landing spot for Doug. And in, in those conversations with Doug, um, he said he learned a lot from being a head coach in Philadelphia, how to deal with the media, uh, because he didn't really have that in some of these other places. Um, so 
I, I do think it is a great spot for Doug. The pressure obviously is not as hot in Jacksonville as it is in Philadelphia. And as you said, the young quarterback, and I think they've got money to spend and they're going to try to go get a free agent receiver or two. Um, so I think this is a really good spot for Doug. And, and when he and the Eagles split up, he's been living in Jupiter, Florida, down there in that area. And so, hey, he's staying in Florida. And I think it's, it's a good situation. He looks so refreshed. Uh, I think that year uh, with the pandemic yeah, and the losing year. and Carson and all the things that happened, I think it was just a really bad year and a really tough year personally and professionally for Doug. So I think he's completely refreshed, and I agree with you. I, I do think it's a good situation because of the quarterback. All right, John, you gave us a good take on what the Philly market is like. I'll give you my own experience. I went down when Reggie White came back as a member of the Green Bay Packers, and there were both boos and cheers. I was down there when Donovan McNabb first came back, and there were both boos and cheers. Will there be any boos when Doug Peterson leads his Jacksonville Jaguars out onto the field this year because the Jags are coming to Philly. Is there going to be any mixed reaction for Coach Dougie P? I think you know the answer to that. No way. I mean, Doug Peterson brought the city of Philadelphia the greatest sports gift in the history of the city. I mean, there will never be a parade. There will never be a win like the first Super Bowl in Philadelphia ever. It's the biggest thing ever. And Doug was a huge part of that because you lost your MVP quarterback. You lost your left tackle. And they came up with a scheme to get Nick Foles over the hump to have his greatest game ever and beat the GOAT of quarterback and GOAT of coaching. Absolutely not. Doug Peterson is a hero for life in the city of Philadelphia. I mean, are you with me? I don't think there is one single person who's booing Doug Peterson. I think – most people felt, I think the majority of people felt he shouldn't have been fired. Well, I agree, John. But then, you know, I think about, you know, sitting in Minneapolis that night. And I remember talking to people at my hotel bar and saying, all right, well, Doug's got a lifetime dispensation card in Philadelphia. You're right. It's never going to be matched. Turns out that was three years and he's out, um, which tells you this is a tough market. So, I think more of the pressure is on Nick Sirianni. He better win that game. If Doug <laughs> no Peterson doubt. comes in, yeah, I mean, if he loses that game, I I don't think people are going to be happy with Nick Sirianni. He could yeah. get booed. He could get booed the next week. I think you yeah. are dead on, uh, Johnny Mac. I I know McMullen wants to ask you a Simmons question, but I'm going to beat him to it. I'm going to ask you a Harden question. How tempted were you to get to the airport when you found it? Or was he just driving down from Brooklyn? I don't, I don't even know. First time he stepped in the city as a 76er. What was his uh, mode of transportation when he got here, Johnny Airport? Well, I was in L.A. for Super Bowl week. Ah. And I couldn't hop on a little plane, <laughs> private plane, because I don't have that kind of access. You know, I fly in coach and commercial, but... um. He actually went home to Houston after the trade, and he came into Philly from Houston. And I was able to get that intel to our our good people at NBC10 and NBC Sports Philadelphia, and they got the arrival. But Daryl Morey beat us to it. The social media team of the Sixers sending out the big hug. Daryl finally getting his guy. Um, So, yeah, that's a big arrival. 
the beard arriving in Philly was a big arrival, and I was out in L.A., but we, we, we took care of it. You can't beat the teams these days, though. They've got yeah, their own Yeah, they do it themselves. Yeah, they do it themselves. Your most recent, I think your most recent uh, take takeoff with John Clark, Danny Green. So uh, the Sixers um, uh, swing man talking about, obviously, the trade in James Harden's debut, which two games it's been spectacular. I mean, two games is two games, but – I think people are starting to realize what it means to have a shot creator on the floor with Joel Embiid. But when you look back at the Ben Simmons era and, you know, you look at how it started in the Sixers, you know, and how they handled Ben Simmons, what what do you think was the crux of, and I'm not talking about, you know, giving up the dunk. I'm, I'm talking about the Sixers and player development and the fact that they had Ben Simmons is tremendously talented. I think we could all agree, but the player development wasn't there. Where do you think that crux was? What, what, what did the Sixers fail at? Well, first of all, they all tried to get Ben Simmons to unlock that part of his game, shooting the ball. And Brett Brown publicly tried Elton brand said, we spoke to him. He is going to shoot more. He's going to take more shots. It didn't happen. So then Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey come in and they said, how can we get the best out of Ben Simmons? And I think they said, we need to, I don't want to use the word coddle, but we're not going to push that whole shooting thing with him because he apparently doesn't like it. So uh, I think they decided we are going to publicly praise him and we are going to praise him as well, build up the strengths of his game. And obviously that comes back to haunt you in the playoffs always. It happened in the series against the Raptors when Jimmy Butler had the ball instead of Ben Simmons. It came back to haunt him again. I think, my opinion, what happened was, I think Ben started to see, and at the trade deadline last year, Daryl Morey comes in, and Ben sees that, hey, this team is built around Joel Embiid. And I think he saw, and once he was basically told that you're probably going to be traded for James Harden in that trade with Houston – that Brooklyn in the end beat out the Sixers and had a better offer. Uh, But I think he saw that, hey, they're willing to trade me. They wanted to get James Harden. And I think he started to feel like, well, I guess I'm not the big 1A, 1B with Joel Embiid. It's Joel's team. And I think Ben also, I think he probably saw Joel being the guy and probably wanted to be the guy. But my personal opinion is, is that I don't think Ben loves the game as much as Joel. And I also think Ben loves the trappings more than the game, the cars, the model girlfriends, the mansion in LA, the mansions, other places, having a private plane at his disposal at any time, going overseas to London or Paris or whatever. I think he started to enjoy the trappings more than the game, jewelry all that stuff. And for me, if you absolutely love the game, you play this past season and you say, I'm going to stick it to the Sixers. I'm going to have my best year ever. And they're going to trade me. I'm going to build up my value and they're going to trade me for something bigger and better, a better situation for him. Now, you know, you could say he got what he wanted to the Nets, but I do think he started to feel that The Sixers were putting all of their attention on Joel and trying to get James Harden, which they did at the deadline last year. And Ben said, 
okay, you don't love me like you love Joel. You don't <laughs> want me here as much as Joel. And I think that really got in his head. And I think the family also really puts it in his head. And yeah, I think the doc comments, Joel's comments, all that stuff was kind of like the icing on the cake. But I think it all started with that moment last year where Ben was basically informed that he's going to be traded for James Harden. And I'm told Ben did cry about that. He had tears. Um, so look, it's a mess, but in the end, it is all on Ben. It is all on Ben. Yeah. It's over and done with now. Harden's here. He's in Brooklyn. Good luck, Ben. We know we're not going to see you on the 10th. There's no way he plays in that game. No way. Maybe no. we'll see you in the playoffs. No. All right, John, last one for me. I want to take you onto the court. With nets, just no rims. Best of three sets, who wins on the tennis court? John Clark or Daryl Morey? John Clark or Joel Embiid? Have you faced off against either guy? Do you want to face off against either guy? If you do, who's winning? I do want to face off against either of them. Um, look, I've seen Joel's game on video. People seeing him you know, on a playground in, in South Philly or Philly, um, I think I could definitely beat Joel Embiid. Uh, he's just <laughs> learning the game like he learned basketball 10 years ago. A heck of a reach, though. Yeah, a heck, heck of, of a reach. reach. Yeah, and, and the serve is starting, you know, what, 15 feet up in the air. Yeah. So yeah. I think I could take Joel Embiid. Um, but uh, Daryl Morey, I think – I think Daryl Morey is probably a very, very smart tennis player because he's an incredibly intelligent person. And I remember when I played Hurricane Schwartz in racquetball and <laughs> I, I was running all over the place trying to, you know, hit the ball. Hurricane in racquetball just stood in one spot because he knew that ball from the angles was coming back to him. So I think Daryl Morey is that type of tennis player because he's got all the angles figured out in his brain. So I think Daryl Morey would be a tough matchup, but I think I pull it out in the end. There's a All podcast right. yeah. to itself. John Clark versus Hurricane Schwartz and John Clark that, versus Joel yeah. Embiid, uh, which doesn't belong and why. I would love to see that. <laughs> yeah. uh, Johnny, great stuff. We appreciate you coming on board. Keep up the great work. Uh, we'll get you back on again soon enough. Thanks for jumping on with us today. All right. Good talking with you guys. Have a good one. Thanks, John Clark, John. NBC Sports Philly, NBC 10, and his podcast taking off one of the best in the city. All right, Johnny Mac, John Mc, uh, Johnny Mac coming back. We still got uh, oh, 10 minutes left. By the way, play. I got a John Clark wrestling story for you after after the Is break. Is he a wrestling? I know he's oh, a he's Springsteen a guy. Yeah, he's a wrestling guy. Oh, he you know, he's friends with my buddy Ange, who yeah. worked for uh, events for years. Yeah, he used to that's... work for, uh, well, that's what the story's about. He used to work I... for ECW. I should have uh, I should have put those two together. All right, uh, John McMullen, Jody McDonald coming back. Put a wrap on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. 
Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Coming back to wrap up a Bird 365 Tuesday episode. Combine getting underway. Uh, they're not going to do a hell of a lot today. Uh, gets much more important as the week goes on. Uh, today's kind of a get-together, uh, everybody get to, to know each other type day. But uh, fun week in the National Football League because the Combine is in place. And if Sean McVay doesn't want to show up, good for him. Uh, we enjoy your victory lap in the office this week, John McMullen. Eagles coach will be there. Eagle general manager will be there. Those who are left on the Eagles scouting staff will be there. They lost a couple guys. I haven't replaced them yet, but John and I have already talked about that. Um, I Before we put the wrap on the show, what's your Johnny Clark oh, rap uh, story? <laughs> um, so what I went to uh, Monday Night Raw, when, when, uh, January, sometime in January, um, and thanks to Chris Lagenteel. Got to get that in, so I get him next time. Um, WWE uh, Vice President of Global Communications, but um, which, by so, the way, if they come back for SmackDown, and you can bring a friend like you were good enough to invite me this time, I just yeah. couldn't go because I was on. Oh, uh, I'm gonna. I, I don't. I, I don't work Fridays, uh, J Mac. If you get another invite, count your partner in. Um, so you know, I'm taking some pictures at the show and putting them on Twitter, and you know. All, all of a sudden, I get the I get the DM from John Clark, and you know he's backstage. Can you see that? Can you see who that is? Yeah. No, uh, looks like a big gray beard. That is uh, that is John Clark with Paul Heyman. Really? Uh, okay. <laughs> behind the bad that, picture that at Monday Night Raw. Uh, well, it's it's there. Can you get closer? 
That is his mask. That's why you're seeing the beard. That's John's mask. Okay. Um, oh, all right. I got it. Yeah. Still, still mask. He had still his mask masked up. Down. Gotcha. And so he trumped me with Paul Heyman, who we used to work for in ECW. So there you have By it. By the way, uh, ECW, who's your favorite ECW wrestler ever? Who? Uh, uh, gonna have to go Sabu. I had two. One, because he actually used to come out to our shows. He was a fan of Mac and Mac, and he showed up a couple times. Sandman was Sandman? Yeah. a favorite. Great entrance. Been... Great entrance. Was he, he drunk almost, out at the show? I would borderline call him a buddy. Uh, but if you're just talking about ring work, not only my favorite ECW, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Rob Van Dam? R-V-D. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we got to get BLG on the show. B L G. <laughs> I was an RVD fan. Uh, not not yeah, one of the good. best. I I, I probably favorite. would Loved say him. yeah. I I think of Rob because he went on to be a big uh, WWE star. But yeah, he was he was probably even better than Sabu. I would agree with you there. EC, I was an ECW fan, but yes, it you just kind of uh, validate the overall career when you, you also become a WWE superstar, which he was. All right, Johnny Mac, uh, what are you going to pick up from the Combine over the next couple of days? What uh, are there's the things- a couple uh, a couple teams are talking today, so um, um, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but a couple of head coaches, a couple of GMs are actually getting going today, so um, yeah, it, 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 it ramps up a little bit today. And obviously, uh, the Eagles, um, Howie Roseman and, uh, um, Nick Sirianni are talking, I believe at one fifteen in one thirty tomorrow. So there's a lot of guys. I just found it. So starts with George Patton and Nathaniel Hackett today at noon. Trent Balky's going to talk Doug Peterson. Uh, Chris oh, Doug Ballard. today? Yeah, 145 today. Okay. Uh, Doug Peterson, Brian Gutekunst, uh, that, that'll be big because of the Aaron Rodgers situation. Matt LaFleur, Duke Tobin with his interns. He'll be talking. Zach Taylor, Ron Rivera, a lot of guys. John Robinson, Eric D. DeCosta, John Lynch, Martin Mayhew, Mike Brabel. Um, so quite a few guys today. You mentioned um, Riverboat Ron. I think I asked you this, and I forget, so uh, I apologize. Um, do you like the Commanders as a name? I do not. <laughs> I, it's not terrible. Um, you know, I the the XFL team was named the DC Defenders. Now, part of it was the alliteration of DC. They're not going. I like Defenders. I thought, you know they might not even be able to get the intellectual property. I know that's a big deal because somebody, when the Redskins announced they would change their name, and I say that, I can say that because that was the official name of their team. Right. So don't try to get me canceled. Uh, when the team was known as the Washington Redskins and they announced they were going to change their name, there was some guy who, you know, he, he went and trademarked a whole bunch of names potential names and it's actually a smart thing to do business wise you know then you try to get daniel snyder to cough up a little bit of money for the trademark and he didn't want to deal with that and you know i think they eliminated 
a lot of names that they potentially could have looked at, but I don't have a problem with it, but I don't think it's great. I I don't. I kind of like it. And I actually like their new uniform. They did a enough of a change while keeping the colors pretty damn close. Uh, That organization over the last couple of years could screw up a two car funeral, but I actually think well, they, they screwed got, up the logo. Yeah, yeah I think they kind of yeah they had to admit, yeah. oh, we kind of messed up right. on that, and at least that's probably fixed. the intern, the intern who wasn't bored one, born when they wanted to see whoever was in charge of that. Uh, but I actually think the commander turned out to be a pretty good name. But yeah, you talk about trademark. How how did they start? I just assumed the USFL, the new USFL, USFL Part Two. <laughs> Work. Yeah. Now that has been going on <laughs> me, for a I've while. Worked it out with I'll the former you. league, and now you know, the league is going. No, 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 no. You can't use the title USFL. We still retain rights to that. Yeah, I'm surprised. That was a story when they first announced it, and I, I think it was Steve Ern, Ern uh, um, I forget his name, but uh, had the intellectual property of the original USFL, and he mentioned it when they announced it. And I just assumed they worked something out behind the scenes, but obviously they didn't because they've been selling, you know, old USFL merchandise for years and years and years. And they did have the, the trademarks and yeah, I'm always amazed that Cleveland Indians in baseball, when they changed to Cleveland guardians, they didn't know there was another team in Cleveland called the guardians and they didn't work that out. So yeah, you would think these, Large organizations would have their ducks in a row, but unsurprisingly, eh, well, maybe not so surprisingly with the Washington football team, because as you mentioned, <laughs> they do not have their ducks in a row. That, that is very true. All right, uh, partner, uh, good show today. Good to get John Clark and Paul Dom, which we thank both of those guys for hopping on. Uh, Matt Verderam will join us early tomorrow for his hour uh, before the uh, combine interviews and stuff get underway. We'll try and scare up somebody else as well. I will talk to you in 22 hours. Good enough, partner. Good enough. 22 hours. You didn't chuck Woolery. I wasn't ready. Check two and two. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.